if you listen to the last podcast, uh, I referenced a few times that it had gone midnight on a Sunday night into a Monday morning. Okay, admittedly, it is now 25 to 12, but it's not a Sunday night. It is a Wednesday night, and then I, we're feeling a little bit more rested and ready to go this week. On the fact that this is already our second attempt at this podcast, because while I'm reading what's coming up, Ben decides to copy everything and make it bigger, which is very unhandy when you're trying to read through it and it's all just changing sizes and you're changing what's highlighted. Ben, why did you do that? Well, because it's nearly 12 o'clock at night and I have to read things and I'm not good at reading things in the middle of the daytime. I mean, that's you and me both. You're probably secretly just hoping that I don't mess up a bit like I did last week. So, I, I uh... did put a bit more space in this week. You did. You've double spaced it, haven't you? You know, when you type in it in an exam. Yeah. You've got to put it in the double spacing format. That's what you've done. I know. I've been a good human. I mean, it's also just a general essay thing. I normally write in double spaces. And this is the first time you've ever done it a podcast in a podcast after like 13, 14 months. Uh, hello, welcome along. I'm Jacob Dyer. I know very little about films. Ben Heath, on the other hand, my amazing co-host, knows a bit too much so this podcast shouldn't work but we'd like to think it does uh coming up today we're going to be reviewing succession season three uh we're also going to be talking about uh trailers the trailers oh my gosh the new spider-man trailer have you seen that ben i love it because i actually watched uh the most recent spider-man this week mm. can i just say I love Zendaya. you said a line about t- 20 seconds ago that went so West Country and so Dorset. And, like, I'm from Dorset and you've spent a rather long time in Dorset that what, I just... What, what did I say? Oh, um... I yeah, clearly very memorable, wasn't it? I can't remember. It was like, um... But you did a moment ago go really Dorset and I was just like... Really, it, like, Bristolian. Yeah, really West Country, and it made my little heart go so much quicker because I love a West Country. I love it whenever I accidentally go Dorset or whenever any of my mates are from the West Country go quite West Country. I feel like whenever I talk quicker, I I just go a little bit West Country. Oh, my gosh, I'm going American. The thing is, I cannot do it on cue at all. Um, I can't do it on cue because, obviously, I live not... I don't live in Dorset anymore, and now I occasionally... Yeah, okay. Now, occasionally, I slip back into that, and uh, my mates look at me like, what the fuck am I talking about? Because they're all from, like, posh parts of London or Reading or Kent. Do they all talk a little bit like this? You know, this is the Articule from Podcast. Yes, I think we should review everything in these voices. Okay, the guy I share a birthday with, Leonardo DiCaprio, we're going to be talking about him a little bit later on because he is in our news. I'm already bored and it's doing my head and I, I couldn't listen to that two people that spoke he's, like this. I just feel He's also very in odd. one of the trailers as well. But Yes, first, oh, exciting. Firstly, Jacob, what have you been watching recently? Right, so I spoke about it on the podcast before because I found it on YouTube, but I was at my mates the other day and I um I found out that there's a whole like Netflix series of it that I never even knew about. The Undatables. Love it. I love finding people that, you know, have disabilities, have, you know, hidden disabilities and, you know, visual disabilities, people that find it a little bit tough in life. And I love seeing people that are really like insecure, just coming out of their shell and pushing themselves and flourishing and finding love. In all honesty, then gives me a little bit of hope. Um, 
but no i just think it's such a sweet show i feel like it also raises so much awareness you, you know you can have a little like cry or oh you know that's so cute or you know like a little laugh not laugh at them but the situation it's all quite nice it's all quite light-hearted um i just love it have you watched it then i have i know you don't agree with it do you so firstly i have a slight problem with the title because i feel like the title's slightly mocking i agree but they are self-confessed undateables and then on the netflix thing it says the undateables and then on like the the title it like gets rid of the un and makes it dateables Mm. so i think they bought it off channel four didn't they i don't actually know i just always found the show whereas it didn't mock the people on it i always found the discourse around it slightly mocking like i remember when people used to quote lines from it out of context i think people still do that and I always think when someone quotes something like that out of context, it actually occasionally... I remember when someone said the words, we're all a little bit autistic, aren't we? And then someone quoted it who isn't. And it just kind of... I think the discourse around it often is a bit more, oh, look at them, than it really should be. Um, I personally find it really heartwarming. I Yeah, I think it's heartwarming. And I... I'm I think it's always... so nice seeing the progression and I think it also raises awareness for people with these disabilities. You know? Yeah, I'm always here to see more disabilities on screen. I just don't know if the way this show goes about it raises, really enhances discourse in a weird way. Right. I, I There's something that's always made me mildly uncomfortable about referring to someone as un- if they're disabled and then there's something always that makes me mildly uncomfortable when these funny quirky lines that these people say are quoted by non-disabled people as well and come up on tiktok as well when people quote them. Yeah, yeah it's just something's never rubbed right with me about the show and i'm not i can never describe why but i always know it's not there Right. Okay. I mean, I, that is an interesting stance. And I agree with a lot of it. I just really enjoy the show. I think it's a really nice watch. However, title, yeah, I, I do understand Ben's point. Ben, what have you been watching this week? I have been watching Community. As well as everything you're reviewing, you've been watching Community. Yeah. Uh, I'm. Re- <laughs> it's always slightly weird me talking in this section because I, I have legit watched everything else we talk about. But yeah, I've just been recently in a bit of my spare time been catching a couple of episodes of community every now and then and oh, the... what are you making of it enjoying it i love community i'm re-watching it i find this right this sitcom i find so relaxing also very few sitcoms are as smart particularly in things like a bottle episode that's when community shines when it goes a bit more the reason i think community is one of the better sitcoms is it is it actually quite often elevates things it can go right. quite highbrow and it can pull off some things that are quite high concept in half a minute, in half an hour, which truly works. And I think it takes more risks and is bolder than most sitcoms would be. Most How sitcoms. old is it? When was the, the show released? Is it is it old school, new school? It's got to be about 10 years old now, but that's not... It hasn't aged in the same way that Friends has. 
I, why did I know you were just going to diss Friends at every opportunity you get? Okay, but even a show like How I Met Your Mother, which is one of my favourites, is same time frame, slightly older, maybe one or two years older than Community. That's age much worse than Community is. I think it's because Community, the core lineup's quite diverse. Right. So, I think that Is it American? Or is it is British? American. It is an American show. And I know you don't love American humour. I'm not against American humour. You just think us Brits are funnier, which I agree with. And I think, for, actually, I think there are some very funny Americans, and I think Community's really funny. I just don't find everything Americans say funny, such as why I don't like Friends. <laughs> like, my you problem, my problem with that. Friends is not American humour. My problem with Friends is Friends. Okay. Um, we're not going to get into this debate again. Um, if you are a uh, new listener to the podcast, go watch, uh, go watch, go listen rather to some of our other episodes. We, uh, I like Friends a lot. The I've first, even got a Friends coaster. The right first ten, we properly fought over Friends practically every episode. Yeah, I think we discovered it on like the first episode and then that was just it and it went on. But you know, Ben... Over a year has passed now. I think it's been about a year since we last talked uh, about it as well. I've had enough of you trying to slate friends and not succeeding and not having but any But do you remember what was quite funny? When I quite liked the friends reunion. <laughs> um, you did, didn't you? I did. I weirdly liked the reunion way more I than just I loved James Cord- I love James Corden on that. Yeah, I mean, I don't like James Corden ever, but... Yeah, I know you don't. I don't find him funny. I no, I liked him on Gavin and Stacey. And oh, I liked that's him, iconic. And I liked him in Doctor Who, the couple of episodes he was in that show. And then he went to the States and somehow got to Hollywood. Did also like his role in the prom was flat out offensive, so what, what about the trolls? He was in trolls. Okay, what am I referring to? The animated one. No, he may have been in Trolls. I just find with animated films, I know their famous voices. I just What's the massive one that had like Taylor Swift in everything? Cats. Cats, that's it. He was definitely in Cats. (laughs) And uh, to quote James Corden, do you regret doing Cats? The money was good. My favourite thing is Andrew Lloyd Webber had to get a therapy doll because... A therapy dog because of what Cats did to him, so... Yeah, it's just awful. And I think it made quite a bit of money because it had so much hype and then it was just shit and then so many people wanted to go and see the shitness of it. Nope, it's one of the biggest box office flops of recent memory. It really did not make (laughs) money. (laughs) Not at all. No. Anyway, shall we talk about a massive hit for Netflix in Red Notice? So, This keeps coming up on my suggested... Well, don't watch it. Ryan Reynolds put on his Instagram that this is the most watched Netflix film on its day of release, which is possible because it involves Ryan Reynolds, The Rock, and Gal Gadot, who are probably three of the biggest actors of all in the world right now. All three of them star in a film. So, and Netflix promoted the shit out of this, and it's their most expensive film of all time. So the fact it was really well for the first day does not surprise me. 
However, people could have watched the first ten minutes of it. However, I don't think what Netflix does really well is shows like Squid Game and Bridgerton and millions of others, which Out go and the Queen's Gambit as well. If you talk about shows that people f- discover and then they keep talking, they become a cultural sensation. Red Notice, people will watch and will forget about it instantly. Because it's... I'll explain the plot of the film. When an Interpol issued Red Notice, the highest level warrant to capture the world's most wanted goes out on FBI's top profiler, John Hartley, Dwayne Johnson playing Dwayne and Rock Johnson, is on the case. He glove off a shoot, finds him smack dab in the middle of a daring heist where he's forced to partner up with the world's greatest art thief, Nolan Booth, played by Ryan Reynolds, playing Ryan Reynolds, in order to catch the world's most wanted art thief, the Bishop, played by Gal Gadot, who isn't playing Gal Gadot. She's the only person not playing herself in this film. There is so much money in this film. There is a lot of movie and a weird amount of charm, but it adds up to nothing substantial or interesting. It's disposable. It's the most disposable film you'll see this year. And I genuinely don't think Netflix subscribers will remember it that long after they've watched it. It just keeps on going, but everything that keeps on going feels stale and secondhand and spiritless. It just lacks that it factor. It's utterly mediocre and kind of dull. Well, dull. I really don't think you're selling this at all describing it as disposable and dull is there another word with d so we can make it like a hat trick the only one i can think ditch of water did, it doesn't really work ditch water <laughs> there we go so uh this film is crazy to me how they invest so much money in it get all these big names and it should work but it just doesn't is it poor writing poor execution what is it um well, I feel like it's a film where they thought of the poster before they thought of the film. They were like, yeah. how can we get Ryan Reynolds, Dwayne jo- The Rock Johnson and Gal Gadot in a film together? Um, I think it's not daring. So I like Ryan Reynolds and I like The Rock and I like Gal Gadot. But I find that they all do projects which they're great in and that really push their personas. And they all do projects where their personas push them. Right. And I feel like this is a project made around three personas instead of an actual storyline. And I've just... Okay, it's more of a case of we want these three actors on screen together. How are we going to make it work? Yeah, and also for a film that costs like hundreds of millions of dollars, it looks cheap, Mm. which is not good enough. You can tell most of the money spent on the budget of casting the actors right well it would be because they have literally just signed the three biggest names like you mm. said yeah three we... biggest names bar leonardo dicaprio who has hit the news this week i think i even sent you this on instagram didn't i ben yeah you did so leonardo dicaprio is going to be playing the cult leader jim jones in a new biopic I think Leonardo DiCaprio, I mentioned this before, we share the same birthday. Um, I think he's great, though. 
Yeah, I mean, he's also in a point of his career. So his last film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, came out two years ago. He won. He was nominated for an Oscar. His film before that, The Revenant, he won an Oscar. His film before that, The Wolf of Wall Street, he was nominated for an Oscar. So he's in a stage of his career where he only does really good things. Um, his next film comes out later. Fully, this... He can fully pick and choose what he does. He's got the power. Oh, he does. He does. What's interesting is this is the first film he will have done in a while that he signed on before the star director has. Because it's not got a director. It's written by Scott Rosenberg, who wrote the Jumanji films and Venom. Oh, which... I love the Jumanji franchise. Which, Ben, you actually do as well. Oh, I like the Jumanji films and I like the Venom films. But none of them give me like, oh my god, this sounds awesome for a kind of film about a cult leader played by Leo. Um, I think it's going to be interesting. I think DiCaprio will be amazing because I do think he's one of the greatest actors of all time. Um, But yeah, I'm actually intrigued to see what happens. I don't think it's going to happen this film though. Because there's not a director and it kind of feels like a film that will get stuck in development hell for years. Has it officially been confirmed, or is it all just a massive like leak that he's signed up for this? No, so I'm pretty sure he signed up for this, but it's the fact right. that it's not got the director on board yet. Mm. But I feel like many directors now, they know Leonardo DiCaprio's in it, may, you know, jump on it. Yeah, but his last few films have all been led by a big director, like a Scorsese right. or a Tarantino or um, Adam McKay's doing his next one. Hi to Aikiti. He's never worked with Taika. That's just the one director's name I remember. Yeah. <laughs> this doesn't have a big director. But if it comes about, watching DiCaprio play a cult leader will be fascinating. Maybe Taika could direct it. Would he be good for this film? No, because I wouldn't want to see a cult a comedy about a cult leader who persuaded like hundreds of people to kill themselves all at once. I don't think that lends its material. Yeah, that may not work. Uh, yeah, actually. I mean, Stranger uh, Things have been made into comedies and worked, so it could happen. I mean, I'm putting it out there. It could work and it, it could happen. I think Craig Gillespie, who directed Cruella and I, Tonya and Fright Night, is probably the man they should try and get to do this film. That's my opinion. That's your prediction? It's not my prediction, because I don't think he's a big enough director, but I think if right. I was the producers, who's the guy who could handle this type of biopic? I think Craig Gipsy's the guy I'd go to. Okay, all right. Uh, also, I'm just a bit fed up of this. Like, It just feels like Marvel are forever teasing us. Yeah, so we had Disney Plus Day this week. Woo! Do you remember <laughs> when we used to celebrate Christmas instead of corporations? <laughs> anyway, they released a ton of rather underwhelming things about their Marvel TV shows. I think they're just going too big on this. Mm. I think they're doing too much at once and it's just going to fall flat. And I feel like they're teasing stuff that's going to come out in years. Yeah, so we saw a trailer for Marvel's Moon Knight, which comes out next week, which we got to see Oscar Isaac, who I love. Um, he's seemingly doing a Russell Brand impression from this trailer. Like, his voice is weird. 
We got to see a, another trailer for Hawkeye, which comes out like next week, which I've heard's okay. People have seen it. They've all said it's okay. We got to see like 15 seconds from She-Hulk and Miss Marvel. And they looked like what 15 seconds were. There was no big news. Like, Disney Plus Day was just an utter disappointment. And I'm quite glad I'm not one of those suckers who was like, oh my god, it's Disney Plus Day. And I was like, this is going to be shit. There was even a Snapchat filter for it. Yeah, it was going to be awful. I mean, I don't know why they really pushed this Disney Plus Day. Yeah, none of it worked. None of it worked. Uh, what else have we got in the news this week, Ben? Um, so they've announced they're going to make an animated film uh, for based off the Doctor Zeus book, Oh, The Places Where You'll Go. It's going to be directed by John M. Chu, and that's about as much as I care for this news story. It was a slow news week. Speaking of Disney+, Plus, let's go back over there, because they have got uh, a new show called Dope Six. So new episodes for this coming out every Wednesday. And then this is like, is it is Disney Plus original content, right? Not based off an initial franchise. Am I am I right? So Dope Sick, um, it's based off the book. Um, Dope Sick Dealers, Doctors and Drug Company, The Addicted America, which is ba- written, it's a non-fiction book based by an author on Beth Macy about the um, opioid crisis in America. It came to Hulu in the US about a month ago and it was actually released as part of Disney Plus Day on Ooh, Star yay. on Star the adult content side of Disney Plus the mm-hmm. only reason I subscribe to Disney Plus is to watch the Star content and I'm really loving Dope Sick I have to admit so it kind of deals with three separate timelines of the opioid crisis so you have a Virginian miner played by Caitlin Dever who's kind of patient one um, and her doctor Samuel Phoenix, played by Michael Keaton, and Neca, who prescribes it to her, and she's like the first victim after he's been chased down by the Lion Corporation. You see the corporation that designed the medicine and lied about it and sold it to doctors to make a profit, and then you also see the prosecutors who tried to take Big Pharma down. Um, now, I'm on board with anything that tries to take down Big Pharmaceutical companies, and I think Dope Sick is a remarkable achievement, mainly due to its size. It's such a slow-burning tragedy. I mean, over here in the UK, we don't get to see how awful the opioid crisis was and the human stories behind it, mainly because we're lucky and we have an NHS and this would never happen over here because we have more checks and balances and it's not about capitalism. So on that sense, it's heroic television, and I'm glad the eight-episode miniseries really delves into the people whose lives were utterly ruined by a couple, by the Sackler family making billions of money off ruining people's lives. And, uh, and it has cost America over the last 20, 15 years a massive amount in both rising crime rates and rising rehab and broken families and also money trying to fix this problem. Um, it's, I think it's an urgent story, it's a vital story, and it's one that doesn't get talked about. This isn't a perfect show, but I will say all the flaws are because it's too ambitious, and when you're tackling a topic as important as this, 
I'd rather you're too ambitious and don't pull any punches than you kind of stopped short. I really thought this was great. I love that you like something on Disney Plus for a change. I like Love, Victor. You did, but that was like the only other thing. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so no, it's nice. I, I, do, I, do I feel like this... we don't talk about Disney Plus enough on this podcast. Well, that's because I only really talk about the star shows. Also, it's because Disney Plus as a streaming service is more catered towards old shows instead of new shows, I find. Yeah, they do rely on their franchises yeah. a lot as well. Wait, did I not... Have we not talked about Only Murders in the Building? Because I love that show and that was on Disney+. Plus. I don't know if we have. Maybe we didn't record a podcast that week. That was great. Maybe we did and you lost it. Yes, anything could happen. Or maybe there were just other things that came out that week and I forgot about it. <laughs> as does occasionally happen. Only occasionally, though. Quite often. We probably miss a sizable <laughs> chunk of big things because I want to talk about something else. <laughs> Yeah, or we just go completely off topic and run out of time. Mm-hmm. No, but like I think there's good stuff on Disney Plus. I just think it's all weighed down in a shit ton of Marvel and Star Wars. A shit ton of Marvel um, and, and Star Wars, like less Star Wars, Mar- but Marvel. Yeah, but it's there's lots of good stuff under the Star platform of Disney Plus. Everything I else agree, I'm, I agree. I everything do, lo- else I do love a good bit of Star. Everything else I'm kind of a bit leave it with. It's a little bit leave it. Um, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Just burst into a bit of Chris and Ken then from Love Island, didn't it? Um, right, should we talk about the trailers? That new Spider-Man one. Love it. I'm so excited. I'm fully invested in Spider-Man at the minute, Ben. Um, well... I kind of thought that trailer... You know they filmed a bit of it in um, in Dorset? Where? This has got oh, me I'm interested. I'm not sure the new one. I think it was the, old, the other one. That's got me slightly less interested. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> so, you know, the internet has went wild about all these Spider-Man No Way Home rumours. Um, and quite frankly... I and hope... the internet has also gone wild over Tom Holland and Zendaya's relationship yeah. as well. Quite frankly. <laughs> that really does help the hype for the film. But honestly, it does. The amount of free publicity they get. Yeah, and the amount there. of free publicity from the fact that there is, everything is seemingly leaking and this film seems insane from all the fan rumours. And secretly, maybe because I'm an absolute psycho, I want everything all these fans are expecting, mainly Toby <laughs> Maguire and Andrew Garfield to be in it. I hope they're not in it. I hope. I this... feel like it's going to be like another Matt Smith Star Wars rumor. Do you remember that? Yeah, I hope this film is utterly disappointing, and I can watch the internet burn down. <laughs> um, you are you are mad sometimes. No, I mean I'm kind of I like Tom Holland as Spider Man. I think John Watts, who's directing this, who directed the other two, is the most uninspirational standard director in history. And I think it's quite funny that one of the biggest films of all time in scale ambition is given to someone whose taste is so basic. The majority of the film, from everything the promos are saying, seems to be taking place on the same bridge. None of the film looks from the trailers. The VFX doesn't look great. The lighting looks bad. It looks visually uninteresting. And it looks like they're not following up from the story of No Way Home, uh, Far From Home. Instead, they're trying to fit in all these multiverse stuff that will inadvertently make a three-hour overstuffed film that's non-satisfying. And actually, and I'm also kind of... it's going to appeal to people like myself, right? It's not going to appeal to me if it's full of multiverse stuff. Yeah. 
And actually, I'm hoping this film delivers none of the multiverse stuff and really winds up nerds on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm here for that. <laughs> Even though if that happened to me in Star Wars, I'd be pissed off. So I am... Um, like, this is why I don't get attached to franchises, because, like, actually, I do admittedly like the Marvel stuff more than I like the Star Wars stuff, but because I don't really care or give a shit about the massive laws behind it, and I've never read a comic book in my life, like, the thought of all the free Spider-Men is like, oh, it's a cool thought, but I don't give that, but my thought is literally, oh, that's cool. But I would much rather see Spider-Man No Way Home tie up the Spider-Man Tom Holland trilogy in a way that no other Spider-Man has ever been able to do before. I think he's the best Spider-Man we've ever had. Ooh. I think Maguire had the best films. Brilliant. Yeah. I think probably Garfield was the best actor and was the best Spider-Man as a character. And I think Tom Holland's a bit in between on the two of them, if I'm honest. But you do like him? I like him very much as a person. I have just found out he's a Spurs fan, which makes me like him a little bit less as a person. Right. Um, I think his films are... I feel like everything about his Spider-Man and the films he's been in has been good but not great. Okay. I like him. Moving on. Uh, ben, what else has uh, been dropping this week on the trailers? We've had Don't Look Up. I have no idea what this is about. So this is probably going to be Netflix's next massive film. It's releasing okay. on Hopefully Christmas. Hopefully it's better than, you know, what happened with uh, Red Oh, Rangers. I have utter faith it will be. I think it's their big Oscars push as well. It's releasing on Christmas Eve. It's directed by is it Adam. About, is it Christmassy? No, it's not. Um, it's directed by Adam McKay, who's made films for Ank, who's made films such as Ankman, Don't Look Up, Vice, and he did the pilot of Succession, which we'll talk about later in the show. It stars Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence as two meteorologists who find that there's a massive meteor that is going to crash down on Earth and destroy the planet, so they go on a press tour to stop it. The cast includes... Uh, Jennifer Anderson loves her space films. Sorry, Jennifer Lawrence. Wrong Jennifer. Hunger Games uh, no, Jennifer. I meant, I meant Jennifer Lawrence. That's who I'm on about. She loves her space films. Yes. She's the co-lead with Leonardo DiCaprio. The film also stars Meryl Streep as the president. Jonah mm. Hill is her chief of staff. It has Kate Blanchett and Tyler Perry as two Fox News hosts. It has Timothy Chalamet in the film. It has Ariana Grande in the film. Oh. The cast is longer than that. I just can't name all of them off the top of this my head. This is a strong cast. Some I think huge this is the definition there. of star studded cast. Um, right. Uh, it's going to be about climate change, which means it will annoy all the people you want it to annoy. Um, yes. <laughs> I think Adam McKay can make quite serious political things that are actually quite funny. So I, and the trailer did look really, really funny as well. And it looks kind of chaotic and mad. And I'm down for things that are chaotic and mad. I that just sounds amazing. That cast as well. Let's hope it's good. I really hope it is because the whole the whole concept of it. Just as amazing. I love that Netflix is doing something for climate change. Yes, I'm here for it. Okay, final thing we're talking about in the trailer talk this week. Something that shares the same name with my favourite club in Bournemouth. But nothing to do with that. Uh, Halo 
Firstly, I would love there to be a film about Halo in Bournemouth. I think Have you been? Yeah. Great, isn't it? Great it's, night out. It, I met Jordan there. It's an okay night out. Uh, it's not. It's an old church, by the way, for listeners that don't yeah. know. Massive not, old church. So it's now a nightclub. It's not my favourite nightclub. It's not my least favourite nightclub um, in the southwest region. No, I think this is a TV show hitting Paramount Plus, and I think it's about the video game called Halo, which I've been told is a video game. I'm not and sure. That's not about a nightclub. No, sadly not. That would be much better. <laughs> We got 20 seconds of things which I can only relate make sense if you know the video game. But I don't. But it was the third biggest trailer that dropped in the last week. So I had to include it and like go, yeah, I have no clue what this is. And it's As about... you can tell, Ben is very knowledgeable on this subject. Well, it's about a video game. And firstly, all video game films and TV shows have been crap. Oh, second shit. to none. Yes. <laughs> second to none. And otherwise... I don't care. Ben, when are we going to get a Fortnite film? You can just see it happening in a couple of years. That's Hopefully never. You can see it happening. I feel like the moment for that film passed long ago. No, I feel like it's going to be the revival for Fortnite. Which I still love, by the way. I forgot. But I would not love a film. I legit forgot Fortnite existed until you just brought it up. Okay, well, let's not go into that. It's a, it's still a great game. Long live Fortnite. So to come on today's podcast, we're going to be talking about Season 3 of Succession. But right now, Ben, what are we talking about? So this is the French film Petit Maman, directed by the Arthur Céline Tiama. His Did previous... you like how I got you to introduce it? Because I just did not want to pronounce that Le Frontier. Yeah, so it's directed by Celine Chiama, who um, her last film, Portrait of the Lady on Fire, is one of the most acclaimed films of the last few weeks. It hits cinemas this Friday and is on movie in the next couple of weeks. I was very lucky. I saw it in cinemas a couple of days ago in a surprise Odeon screening in which a large chunk of the audience lost their mind because they went in expecting to see the new Ghostbusters and were given a film in <laughs> French, um, which I kind did you, of... What did you think it was going to be? I thought it would be the new Ghostbusters or King Richard. But were I was you like, annoyed with this? No, I was... Or... I, Petit Maman was a film I didn't know was coming out, but I had known it. I knew it was coming out. I didn't realise it was coming out on Friday, but I did want to watch it. And it is utterly, utterly beautiful. Also, because I can't speak French, there is something that's very obvious in the title, which translates to Little Mum, that I didn't realise. And when it came up later uh... in the film, it ca- I was like, oh my God, this is a massive twist. And then I realised it literally said it in the title because I'm a dumbass. Anyway, the film follows eight-year-old Let Nelly, who's just lost her grandmother, and is helping her parents clean up her grandmother's house, which was her mum's childhood house. She explores the house and the surrounding woods, and one day she meets the same a girl who's the same age building a tree house. And spoiler alert, that girl may be her little mum, as the title suggests. Now, this film, firstly, it's only an hour and ten minutes long, which just is amazing. And secondly, Good length, it's, that. it's so sweet and beautiful, and I was so into it. Um, 
It features wonderful performances from the French twin sisters, Josephine and Gabrielle Sand. And it's so cute and it's like a cute little mystery that hits all the right notes. And it feels like an epic film that's just longer than an episode of TV. Um, I think with some people it will really resonate. There is lots of emotion and I think Celine Siama manages to have an insight into family and loss and the past and mother and parent relationships that I don't think has been explored from this angle. And it does prove that she is truly one of the most innovative directors of her generation. There's a whole fairy tale sense to it. It's simple filmmaking. It's elegant. It's very moving. Um, it's kind of the most ordinary film, but that makes it so enchanting and it's so simple but so beautiful. It's my film of the year so far. Oh, and I didn't do... even mean to watch it. Yeah, and I don't want to give too much away even though there's not that much to give away. And I don't want to talk about it in a way that makes the film sound dumber than it is. Because I think this is such a perfect family film that works for every single possible audience. Can I ask, was it dubbed over or subtitles? Subtitles and I just got lost in the world. Okay, I don't know if I'd enjoy it. I think you would. Do you think? Because it's not that long. An hour and ten minutes. That's literally like ten minutes longer than an episode of some shows. It's ten minutes longer than an episode of Line of Duty. Yeah. And you actually have to do a whole lot less thinking in this show than in this film than you have to do in an episode of Line of Duty. Despite reading the subtitles. Yeah. Well... It's about two eight-year-olds, so the dialogue's not that difficult to understand. Oh, maybe, I, maybe I'd get all right with it then, yeah. isn't it? And, like, I have very basic French. I stopped it when I was, like, 14. And I could pick up bits of it without really needing the subtitles. It's not complicated. And the film's, the film's beauty is in its elegance and its simplicity. And I think right, also I it would we... be... I think it'd be a really good thing to show young kids as well. And I think it's a film you could get the parents and the young kids to watch and everyone would have an equally great time. Ben, one last time, how did you find that film? My film of the year so far. Everyone. That is a strong statement. I'm glad that, you know, you go to a surprise for uh, screening and, you know, it's something that you really enjoyed. I love that because it could go either way. I mean, I would not regret, like... You, I went to the cinema and seen films I didn't like that I wanted to go and watch. So I feel like going to watch a film and not liking it, you had no clue what you were going to watch is kind of less bad. I I love to go to one of these surprise screenings. They sound like great fun. Also, I did love how I got back and Twitter just erupted because a lot of people were really disappointed they put on an indie French film instead of like... Ghostbusters. I feel like a lot of the audience were kind of expecting the new Spider-Man film, if I'm being honest, and were just completely delusional. But I thought it was utterly beautiful. My other favourite thing was a guy tweeted that he gave the film a bit bit over an hour. Now, the film's only an hour and ten minutes long, which means he probably walked out with one scene to go. That's quite comical. (laughs) <laughs> like yeah, That's if you brilliant. watch if you watch ninety percent of a film and then walk out on the final scene, it's a bit like. And this final scene has something to say as well. It's a beautiful ending. Um, 
I'm very glad I got the chance to see it. Beautiful, Ben. All right, I love that that is your new favourite film of the year so far. Will it make the Arctic Film Awards? Find out in December. Well, we've got um, two months to go. And the oh chances my gosh, of... that's so close, isn't we've it? We've actually got less. We've probably only got about 35, 40 days till we have to Gosh, sit... hasn't that gone quickly? Nah, 2021's been quite slow, to be honest. Oh, for me, it's or the been first, quiet. I found like January till April really slow, and then since then the years went by quite quickly. I mean, I feel like a lot has happened for me this year. Finished school and that. Yeah. Uh, so you probably feel a bit like 2021, how I did 2020 as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, final thing we're talking about on the podcast today. Succession, series three. Uh, new episodes out every Monday on Now slash Sky. And Ben, I know Succession, the first two seasons, they were very successful. And I think season three is only better. Season three of Succession is, my God, it's fucking good. And There's I, some strong stuff this week. Yeah, I think Succession is probably the TV show of the year, other than Ted Lasso Ooh. season two. I also, if you don't like rude language, I feel like there's no way to talk about Succession other than throwing around F-bombs and C-bombs in the way that Logan Roy well, we're does. we're not doing C-bombs, Ben. I mean, the characters in the show do a lot of them. That's too far even for our podcast. Okay, I will not throw a C-bomb in. Uh, Thank you. But anyway, the show kind of... It takes off immediately after Kendall did that massive press conference at the end of season two and basically threw his dad under the biggest bus in the world. Um, I don't want to get into massive plot points, um, so I won't. I think people should watch the show because it's brilliant and one of the best things. I feel like season one and two, everyone was like, oh my God, this show's amazing. And now season three is amazing as well. Everyone can finally talk about the show in the same league as things like Mad Men and The Wire and The Sopranos. And it's one of the great dramas of our time. And season three was worth every minute of the two-year wait we've had between two and three. It feels like Shakespearean drama level. It has that massive cutthroatness of the characters who are such massive bellends to each other. All of them are dicks. And they will all stab each other in the back at no further notice. It's kind of do a Shakespeare... Do you have a favourite dick? I do have a favourite dick. And it's Tom, played by Matthew McFadden, which has ruined his performance in the 2005 Pride and Prejudice, where he played Mr Darcy opposite Kira Knightley. Um, it's The thing is... Jesse Armstrong, he wrote this show, he's most famous before for doing Peep Show and Fresh Meat. And I feel like there is an evolution between Peep Show, Fresh Meat, Succession. In the fact that the first one's an out-and-out cringe comedy. The second one's a comedy drama with cringe humour. And this is a drama comedy. Like, it's, it's potentially, there's an argument as an hour-long cringe comedy. The comedy is so cringeworthy and it's so funny while being so dramatic and so heightened. There are some of the best insults ever and the writers are so sharp and so witty. And all the characters are fascinating. You have Roman, played by Kieran Culkin, who is totally fucked in the head like all the kids are. He can't get through a sentence without saying something utterly profane. And he is, well, 
it's something profane or something that only like a rapist would say. You have Tom played by Matthew McFadden and Greg played by Nicholas Braun and both of those two have a little bit more humanity than the other characters in the show but not that much more. And uh, the whole thing is Brian Cox's show. He's a veteran of stage and screen and he just lights up the screen and it also allows everyone around him to be truly excellent in these episodes we've seen so far of the season it sounds a bit mental it's i think it's one of the most interesting shows we've seen in years i think i'd like it by the sounds of things i think you would i think the humor is quite there's a lot going on right but i think it's genuinely a great piece of tv it's my dad's favorite show and I've watched the first two episodes of season three. Also, and he's you not and seen... have the same taste, don't we? Yeah, you and my dad do have quite similar taste. And he's not watched season three yet. And I've watched two. And I've said, I'm going to wait till Christmas. And we're going to sit down. And we're going to buy some Maltesers. And we're going to watch all of season three together. We're just going to go through it. So yeah, I'm really looking... I'm really looking forward to the festive period where I can watch the other seven episodes of this show. Lovely, lovely stuff. I mean, Ben, you know, we started off the podcast today with Red Notice, a film you thought was the three Ds, Dishwater, uh, what was it? Dishwater, Dull, and what was the other word you, what was the other D word you used? It's that unrememberable, we can't re- uh, remember. But we started off with that, and we ended with your favourite TV series of the year so far, Succession, and your favourite film of the year it's so far as well. Petite Mamon. Ben, thank you so much, mate. There's a couple of things from here I want to go check out, actually. Uh, at I'll Take You Film on Twitter, just search for I'll Take You Film on Google. Uh, go check out Ben's lovely written reviews. Also, Dope Sick uh, is ben- really good as well. Just, I know that that's come out and I've kind of hidden it behind some other equally great stuff. But Dope Sick's also well worth a watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if you want to get involved with us directly, uh, or Ben directly rather, benheath101 at gmail.com, that is how you get involved. Anyway, we will see you on the next one. Thank you so much for checking us out. I've been Jacob Dahl. He's been Ben Heath. Peace out. Bye.